Welcome to the Redeemer Podcast. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit makingmuchofjesus.org. We hope you enjoyed the talk and invite you to visit us next Sunday at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Well, good morning. I invite you to please take your Bible and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. We're in the first leg of our, what we've been calling kind of a tour bus ride with Solomon through life under the sun. And we got to remember kind of his buzzword that Solomon has a couple phrases that he keeps bringing up again and again and again. And the first one is the word vanity. It's repeated dozens of times uh, throughout the book. And it's the Hebrew word for havel. And it doesn't mean vanity, kind of like our culture thinks of vanity. It, It means, the word just plainly just means mist or vapor or or breath. And the way Solomon's using it is that everything with his other buzzword, under the sun, this life just from birth to death, everything outside of God is mist, is vapor, is vanishing, is fleeting, is just like exhaust fumes. So Solomon's just bringing us to the point to say, let's look at everything under the sun. Just forget that there is a God for a second. Forget that eternity is real. And just evaluate life on earth. Evaluate your accomplishments. Evaluate your, your work, your awards, your, your money, the things that bring you pleasure. Everything under the sun is vanity, fleeting, and escaping. And last week, Solomon put on the soundtrack in chapter 3, the famous song from the birds that they ripped off from Ecclesiastes, that there's a time for everything, a season for this and a season for that. And now Solomon takes us to a few new stops today as we consider life under the sun. And we'll begin in verse 16, and we'll read all the way through chapter 4. So since this is the same authority of King Jesus, let's stand in the honor of reading of the word of Christ. And beginning in verse 16, we hear the Spirit say, Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so does the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward, and the spirit of the beast goes downward into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who were already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw all the toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. 
better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all of his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for who am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken." Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people of whom he led, yet those who will come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is a vanity and striving after the wind. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us now? By your divine spirit, by your divine grace, and by the power of your resurrected son to, to learn from him. As we learn from this preacher, Solomon, would you help us to learn from the one who is greater than Solomon, who is alive in the heavenly places. So help us now, Lord, Confront us with your word and comfort us as well. And it's in the mighty name of King Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, spring and summer are, are here. Uh, they kind of go together. It's really not like, oh, spring season. And then, oh, it's something like it's when spring hits, it's like summer's kind of here too at the same time in, in, in Texas. And you're out doing work, you're out working in the yard, and we were doing some, some yard work and housework yesterday, I actually changed one of those outside lights on the porch without getting electrocuted. It's a really incredible feat on, on my end. We just had to turn off all the power in the house, though. Just everyone go outside, I'm turning everything off, because I don't want to die. And we got it. But it was so hot still. And we had to take a little break. The kids were playing at their water table, and we'd get in the shade, and Ivy would go, man, it's so hot, I'm getting sunburned. And we were just standing out there, and I thought about it. You know, even though it's spring and it's nice and we're having fun, we didn't put on sunscreen. And the sun doesn't care. The sun doesn't care if you go to the beach and didn't put on sunscreen. It's still going to be brutal. It's still going to be hot. It's still going to come after you. It's not like the sun is watching and you're on vacation going, oh, man, Metters didn't put on sunscreen. I better dial it back a little bit. The sun is going to be brutal. One thing we're seeing from Solomon is how brutally honest he is. This chapter alone, I underestimated how grim this, this section is. And all of my prep, I underestimated how grim it was until I preached it in the first service. This chapter is difficult and grim because he's brutally honest. He does not shy away from uncomfortable topics, and he doesn't let us look away. He doesn't hear you saying mercy. He doesn't hear you saying, uncle, I give up, I'm done. He keeps pressing and he keeps pushing. He doesn't care if you have on sunscreen or not. He's keep, he keeps making us think about life under the sun, about life on this earth from birth to death, 
and as we await for the new earth, how difficult it is. And in the first stop of Solomon's tour through life under the sun, the first stop couldn't, the timing just couldn't be better for where he's taking us. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. Really what he's going to talk about now in this first stop is there is no proper government or leadership under the sun. Verse 16, moreover, I saw under the sun, there's our key word, key phrase, that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. There's not just wickedness down in third wards, not just wickedness down, you know, where drug dealers are and all kind of all other really criminal activity. Even in the place of justice, there was wickedness. So under the sun, remember? So we're not thinking about eternity. We're not thinking about the throne room. We're not thinking about the kingdom of God. Just life on this earth, under the sun. Solomon says, what have I seen? That in the place of justice, there is corruption. In the place of justice, there is wickedness. That even in front, if you go to the Washington, D.C., you go to our nation's capital, you know, the famous statue that's out there by the Supreme Court. Blindfolded, scales, and sword. Judgment, justice, all, all coming. Solomon says, that's cute. But there's wickedness there. You gotta, how many news stories have you heard of judges taking bribes? Even that now, the time of our country, the office of the president should be one of justice and, and morals and honor and statesmanship. But instead, the man who's kind of the forerunner in the GOP, brags about his affairs, says reprehensible things, owns a strip club, has stolen money from Americans in casinos, and who recently even said last week that he would command the military to commit war crimes. And even yesterday held a rally in Florida, and the whole crowd, he said, everyone swear you're going to vote. And there's a picture, you can find it. They're all raising their hands like this to him. It's unbelievable. In the place of justice, there is wickedness. Countless news reports of police taking their badge further than they should, of politicians blackmailing, playing the games, famous people getting away with countless crimes, getting freebies. And it doesn't just stop there. And the place, what does he say next? And the place of righteousness. It's got to be good there. There even there was wickedness. So even the right doers, the, the religious folks, I mean, Solomon's probably thinking first of the priests in the temple and the nation of Israel. Priests who were to lead the people to God and to his glory instead got corrupted, turned wicked, and led the people to worship idols. Solomon did the same as well. And in our day, the movie Spotlight just won a Grammy for Best Picture. And it's about covering up the scandals and cover-ups and abuse in the Roman Catholic Church. In the place of righteousness, even there is wickedness. Solomon is being so real with us, uncomfortably real with us. We want justice. We hear these things, we go, yeah, we want justice. We want people to pay. I don't want that judge taking bribes. And you, you know this. And when you're driving, like, okay, especially on the new Tomball Tollway that's right here, you drive on that, speed limit 65. You can't go 73 or 72. You've got to go 65. You will get pulled over. So I always go 65. 
and I'm going 65, got it on cruise scroll just to make sure, because I've seen people get tickets, and I'm driving the other day, and just pretend you're driving there too, and then little white Miata or something like that <laughs> goes flying by me. What do you think when that happens? Oh, I hope you get a ticket. Yes. <laughs> Please, Lord, let them get a ticket. <laughs> Teach them, Lord. Show them your ways. You know, like all these things start coming out. Never happens. You want justice. But when it does happen, you're like, glory to the Lord. Because <laughs> we want justice. But we, here's what Solomon says. When he assesses what's happening in the place of justice, in the place of righteousness, it's wickedness. It frustrates him as it frustrates us. So what do we do? Verse 17, Solomon says, I said in my heart, God will judge. God will judge the righteous and the wicked. There is a time for every matter and for every work. A season of judgment is on its way. It is not happening now. People get away with horrible things now, but they will not forever. Judgment day is coming. No one gets away with anything ultimately. Everything, every work, every sin, every person, every deed will be accounted for. So what, what's Solomon getting at here? Well, look at verse 18. I said in my heart, so now he's trying to console himself, just like he said in verse 17. I said in my heart, verse 18, I said in my heart, he's reasoning with himself, with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them. Well, how? What? What's God trying to show us? That they may see that they themselves are but beasts. Whoa. What do you, what do you mean, Solomon? God, God wants everyone to take stock of their life. Under the sun, just think about your life. Now, he leaves Washington, D.C. on this bus tour, and now he arrives to a doctor's office. And right next to the doctor's office is a veterinarian's office. And then he takes us to a cemetery. And then your neighbor's backyard, or your backyard. What's he getting at? Under the sun, you and your dog, what's the final difference? Look at verse 19. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and a man has no advantage over the beast, for all is vanity. Like, yeah, we do. I have, I have thumbs. Line doesn't care. Line doesn't back down. Whoa, they've got thumbs. I better not eat them. All is vanity. Verse 20, all go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. One day, here's Solomon's point, under the sun, not thinking about eternity, not thinking about God, not thinking, just life un, under the sun. What's the difference between you and your dog? You're going to get buried just like them. So will the tiger at the zoo. So will the grizzly bear, the lion, the family dog, the gerbil, all going into the ground. All going to die. Well, well, you might object. Well, men, mankind, we have jobs. Go tell honeybees they don't have jobs. Go tell, you know, gophers they don't have jobs, ants that they don't have jobs. Well, we have families. Okay, go tell mama bear she doesn't have any cubs. Well, men and women have emotions. We, we can feel, we can emote. Tell my dog it doesn't have emotions when it throws up in the floor and knows it. <laughs> I mean, they know. Under the sun... Just looking side to side, just evaluating life, not looking up, not looking beyond the sun, 
Solomon invites us to take an honest assessment of who we are. It's pretty grim, you think about it. This is really kind of just Darwin, Darwinian thought just right here. Going, this is, what, this is how you want to think? That we're really not that much different than the beasts? If so, if we're not, then who cares? See, Solomon's trying to get us to the point to say, you know there's more. There's got to be more, right? We can't seriously be on the same level as a bald eagle. We're not. Some people think you're actually less. Some people value bald eagle eggs more than a baby in the womb. So what is it, Solomon? 21. Who knows whether the spirit of the man goes upward or the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So Solomon's just really saying, do you know what happens after you die? Is that it? Is it done? Does it go up? Does it go down? Is it nothing? Do you know? And this, verse 22. Who the last sentence, who can bring him to see what will be after him? So he gives us the answer. There is something after, but how will you see it? How will you see it? Who will bring you? Who will bring them to see what will be after him? He gives the answer. There is more to life than just what's under the sun. There is an encore, but who will bring us to see it? It doesn't come to us naturally. It doesn't come to us on our own intuition. Who will show those who are chasing after the wind and living for the vapor of money, sex, drugs, pleasure, pleasure, materialism, and accolades and approval? Who will bring them to see what will come after them? Those family members and friends that you have who are chasing the wind. Why are they chasing the wind? You can answer that by answering this question. Why aren't you chasing the wind? Why aren't you chasing the vapor and the steam and the exhaust fumes of this world? Because at some point, verse 22 happened. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Someone brought you to see what will be after you. Someone has shown you that what will happen after you die, you believe that by faith in Jesus Christ, there is more, that this isn't it. And that someone wasn't a preacher. It wasn't a parent. It was Jesus himself working through a preacher, working through a parent, working through a book, working through some audio, and you heard the gospel of a crucified and resurrected Christ who says, I will forgive you of all of your sins. I will forgive you of all of your vapor chasing, and I will give you what? Eternal life. I will give you, I will let you see what will be after you, verse 22. Only Jesus can point us to life beyond the sun which transforms our lives right now under the sun. Jesus is the only one who can do this, just like he did it for the woman at the well. What, what, she was chasing the havel, the, the vapor, the steam of relationships on her next man, just like he did for the apostle Paul, who he was chasing the havel of the vapor, the vanity of religious accomplishments and of morality. And Jesus liberated him from that. And just like he did for you and me, we were all chasing a different brand, different variety, different stock of vanity, and Jesus liberates us from it. Only Jesus can pull back the curtain and show us that it's just an old man under the earth hitting buttons and pushing nozzles. Only Jesus can rip the veil and give us access to reality. 
then and only then will there be meaning, hope, and endurance in this life under the sun. That's what Solomon's getting at. This life is grim. This life is hard. This life is brutal. How will you endure? Because Solomon's next step is even more difficult, more challenging. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of the oppressors, there was power. There was no one to comfort them. So I mean, We all hate bullies. And this world is filled with bullies. I can't stand bullies. That's why I broke up a fight at Chick-fil-A in the playground. Because <laughs> I can't stand bullies. A little kid trying to put his shoes on. A little punk kid grabbing a shoe and hitting him with it. I want to grab the shoe and hit him with it. But I, that wouldn't go well. So I, hey, stop it. Quit doing that. You're not my dad. I'll find your dad. And, you know, yeah, and his dad comes in. What's going on, Tommy? Nothing. He was hitting that kid. He was doing it. He said, I'm not his dad. And I told him to find your dad. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> he grabbed Tommy. I told you. and said, what's up, Tommy? You're done. <laughs> I can't stand bullies. That kid being picked on needed an advocate. So does a lot of the world. So he's saying in verse 1, I see all the oppressions that are done under the sun. This, this earth is filled with oppression. And it began right outside the Garden of Eden, Cain and Abel. It's picked up steam ever since. Babylonian Empire, Persian Empire, Roman Empire, Mussolini, Stalin, Hitler, Saddam, ISIS, Putin, Iran, North Korea. We keep going. All these oppressions under the sun, we can't avoid them. We can try to distract ourselves with Facebook and try to distract ourselves with fun, distract ourselves with drink and with fruit. But there are oppressions occurring all throughout the world. And Psalm says people weep every night. We got a great in America right now. Right now. There's other people in America who don't have a great right now. People weep every night, these tears of the oppressed, and no one to comfort them. No one cares. No one's able to, Psalms. No, no one's able to even interject. I mean, even if we killed every dictator on the planet, another one would pop up. Because it's not like there's a special dictator gene. It's the human gene. Every time period has them. And it's grim. Look at verse 2. This might be one of the most grim lines in the book. I thought the dead who were already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. Why, Solomon? Verse 3. But better than both is he who has not yet been born, because he has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. At least the people who have died already don't have to deal with ISIS anymore. At least the people who haven't been born yet don't have to deal with another threat of nuclear Iran and North Korea. Grim, but real. And then Solomon says, well, why don't we stop by your workplace? Verse 4. I saw all that, I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity, fleeting, havel, steam, and a striving after the wind. So he says, let's think about our motivations. Why do people try to get yard of the month? Rub it in their neighbor's face. So many people work hard for one reason, just to be better than someone else. 
They're envious of the guy who got the promotion, or they're envious of the neighbor who got the new pool, or they can't stand that their friend got that company car, so they work harder and work harder and harder, not to further the company, not to serve and love others, but just to beat their neighbor because they're jealous, just to win. And Solomon says, vanity. Oh, I'm doing it for the kids. That's why I put in long hours. That's why I put in more weekends. That's why I put in more time. That's why I, that's why I only come home after the kids are already in bed. I'm doing it all for them. Solomon says, you're doing it for yourself. I'll never forget that classic scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where his buddy is, they're standing by his dad's classic car, and they messed it up, and he starts kicking the car. I hate this car. I hate this car. You love this car. You love this car. Solomon says, it's all just vapor chasing. So Solomon says, there's some people who work way too hard doing it all for all the wrong reasons, and there's people who don't work hard at all. They just kind of cruise through life. That's verse 5. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. What do you mean by that, Solomon? Some, some people just check out so much. They just kind of rely on others, cruise, don't care. They just end up cannibalizing their own life. How? Debt after debt. They're not using their hands to work, just their hands to rack up more debt. Dumb purchase after dumb purchase. Not using their hands to do honest, ethical work, but to do criminal work and then get a felony and then cannibalize their life. Solomon hits on it even more. Look at verse 7. Again, I saw vanity, fleetingness under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, He's got no one to enjoy it with, yet there is no end to all of his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never stops and thinks, why am I doing this? Why am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity in an unhappy business. People that are working and working, stockpiling, stockpiling, like Ebenezer Scrooge. All these possessions, but they're miserable, and they have no one to enjoy it with. It's exhaust fumes. It's vapor to prioritize wealth and materialism over relationships, friends, and family. I mean, just think about how many families have been ripped apart because of money. How many kids have a bad relationship with their father because all he did was work? How many people are willing to lose friends and lose family and cut their kids off from their friends and, and their spouse from their friends or leave their local church just to move to another job for just a few extra thousand a year? Solomon reminds us that friends and community, the local church, matter. Relationships matter. Look at verse 9. Two are better than one. Or as our time period would say, one is the loneliest number. Because they have good reward for their toil. Two can do more than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him. Whenever the Bible says woe, that's always significant. That, that always matters. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. Kind of like stranded out in the desert. Oh, no, we're going to die. Two together, they can keep warm. One How's it going to keep warm? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand them. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
reinforcement with more people in our lives. I think one of the saddest places on the planet is happy hour. People at a bar all by themselves just trying to cash in on some cheap drinks and distract themselves from how deplorable their life is. Chasing vapor with more vapor. Chasing wind with more wind. I mean, Kobe Bryant is one of the best basketball players ever. And he's known for being a hard teammate, a hard worker. Not a bad teammate, but a, but a difficult one, a challenging one. Because he was always driving hard, always pushing for more. Uh, no slack. And they asked him about it in a, in a report recently. Why do you have all these conflicts with former teammates and current teammates, just a lot of strained relationships? And he said, it's really amazing. He said, friends come and go, but banners hang forever. It's nice and competitive. The psalmist says it's vanity. It's chasing after the wind. Those championship banners won't be at Kobe's deathbed. Some of the best, I mean, some of the best shows and movies have to do with friendship and community. I mean, Seinfeld. It's all about just these friends and the wild, like, journeys they go on. The show, Friends. <laughs> they, they didn't get creative with it. Just, here's what it's about. <laughs> and Lord of the Rings just screams of the importance of friends. Especially when Frodo and Sam have this conversation, and, and Frodo says to Sam, go back, Sam. I'm going to Mordor alone. What does Frodo say? He doesn't say, fine, be that way. <laughs> Book's over. Movie's done. It. No, when, he, when Frodo says, Sam, go back, I'm going to Mordor alone. Sam says, of course you are, and I'm coming with you. The key is that we must open ourselves up. We must take that step. We must send that text. Go, go see that movie. Open, open up our homes. Because verse 10, who will lift you up? For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Who will do that? Life, as we're seeing, life under the sun is brutal. Those seasons of life from chapter 3, they're all coming. So who will lift you up when you fall? The seasons will rain down, but a threefold cord is not quickly snapped. It's a great analogy from Solomon. I mean, a rope is just basically a bunch of tiny ropes all put together and twisted. A bunch of little ropes make one big rope. So he's saying this threefold cord is not quickly broken. More reinforcement in life. More cords, more strength. More community, more friends, more strength. And you've heard people say, well, I don't want to be the third wheel. Well, why not? More wheels, as far as I can tell, equal more stability. A tricycle's really stable. That's why, see, like some people don't do the motorcycle, but they get the three-wheel thing. I'm cool with that. <laughs> that joker's stable. I'll, I'll do that. That's why an 18-wheeler has 18 wheels. It's more stable for all that they're carrying and all that they're doing. So, fine, you don't want to be the third wheel? Change the analogy. Change the analogy. Be the third cord in the rope. Because a championship banner won't help you navigate life. Your possessions won't help you navigate life. Your accomplishments aren't going to help you. won't pick you up. Popularity won't help you. He talks about next in chapter, in chapter 4, verses 13 to the end, about a popular king, about this great young king, probably alluding to himself, does a stellar job, does an amazing job, rah, 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 and that day will come, no one will care about him. You can prove it real fast. Happiest place on earth, 
under the sun, Disney World. The most boring place at Disney is the Hall of Presidents. There is no line to go into that place. I've been to Disney World a handful of times, never even thought about going in there. The Hall of Presidents, no, let's go to the Aerosmith ride, you know, Aerosmith. Like, no one cares. They were great, important men, they did stuff, but no one will rejoice in them. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. That's the last verse in chapter 4. No one's rejoicing in George Washington at the House of Mouse. So what should we learn about popularity? Every high school kid, every middle school kid, every college kid, fine. You need to learn this because popularity is fleeting. It doesn't matter. You'll grow up and no one's going to care who the cool kids were. Do you ever think about the cool kids from your high school? Man, I wish we were still friends. Like, no. <laughs> no one cares. Well, I was one of the cool kids. Oh, they're not thinking about you. No one's going to care that, like Uncle Rico, you could throw that football <laughs> over the mountains. No one cares anymore. <laughs> but think about for adults at your work, at, at your job. Do you sell out and compromise to fit in, to be one of the cool kids at work? You join in the inappropriate jokes and, and the conversations and compromise on your ethics so you can be one of the cool kids? You try to impress so you can be in and be cool. It's just the same thing as a seventh grader. Just more expensive now. It's not worth it. You might as well just invest in steam. So from all the places that Solomon has taken us, we've seen so far just in chapter 3 and chapter 4, there's no proper government under the sun. There's no denying the grimness of death. There's no comfort for the oppressed. There's no rest in all of our toil. And a lot of times we make bonehead decisions for, and go the route of no friends. Life under the sun is brutal, and there's only one remedy, only one bomb, only one skeleton key for all of it, and it's Jesus of Nazareth himself. There's no proper government under the sun? Yes. And this is why Isaiah says that the government will rest on his shoulders. That he will come and he will dethrone every ruler, every dictator, every king, every republic, and he will establish his final rule. And he will bring peace on the earth. There's no avoiding death under the sun. But with Jesus, there's also no avoiding resurrection. There's no avoiding being brought back from the dead and living with Jesus forever as the holy and righteous son of God who paid for all of our sins, who paid for all of our chasing after the wind. He pays for them, rises from the dead and says, come with me. I'm bringing you into eternal life. Solomon says there's no comfort for the oppressed. This is why we sing at Christmas that in his name, all oppressions shall cease. He will remove every demagogue. He will remove every dictator and judge them all. And then he will wipe away, Revelation says, he will wipe away all the tears on our cheeks. God comforts the downcast. Now, Jesus gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, John 14, the comforter, our advocate, our, our helper. So yes, life under the sun is brutal, but there is an enduring quality, an endurance kind of re-fortified shot in the arm with the resurrected Christ where we can endure and we can look beyond the sun and we can look to the throne. We can look to him 
Because while there may not be any rest found under the sun, that's why Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely at heart. This earth is brutal. I am not brutal. This earth will break you. I have been broken for you. And I have been resurrected for you. I will lift your hearts. I will carry you. I will ensure your eternity. Talk about friends. Jesus says, you are my friends. You did not choose me. I chose you. He is the only one who will always revive us, who will always encourage us, who will always lift us up, and who will give us one another. The reason that you have Christians friends isn't because, oh, that kind of worked out. It's because Jesus gave you to one another. Jesus gives us the local church. The local church is a threefold cord that cannot be quickly snapped because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We won't be snapped by death. We won't be snapped by oppression or by famine or by nakedness or by peril or by sword or by dictators or by laws or by terrorist groups. With Christ and his people and his word, we really are now undefeatable. All these gifts, these picked locks under the sun, they're only opened and given to us by Jesus resurrected from the dead. He takes us beyond the sun. That's why there's healing in his wings. He puts us in the shadow of his wings, as Isaiah says. So are you looking to Jesus under the sun? Life will continue to be frustrating. Life will continue to be breaking. But with Christ... We can endure till the end. The vanity and fleetingness of life can be crushing. So why not look to the one who has already conquered it all? To the one who was crushed for your iniquities. Not his. Crushed for your vanity of vanities. Salvation is found with him more than sunscreen has had. Everything else under the sun, we're just, it's just sunscreen. But there can be salvation with Christ endurance, eternal life with him. So let's look to him beyond the sun and enjoy Christ and Christ alone, Christ in all things. Let's pray together.